0: When I'm playing not to lose, I'm no longer on offense, I'm on defense, and defense is the worst thing for a business. One, two, three,
1: four. Welcome to the Bold Moves How Did You Know podcast, a podcast for the naturally curious who want to define their own path here i'm sharing bold move stories that propelled my guests from curiosity to action and in doing so they've defined a path that is purposeful to them through these stories i hope you'll be inspired to pursue your boldest dreams today i'm excited to introduce you to nick powells he's the founder and ceo of mainland a content marketing technology company that includes no limit agency 1851 franchise and estate envy. He's also the author of Sticks and Stones, a book published by Inc. Magazine. And he frequently keynotes conferences with speeches focused on leveraging your past pains to fuel a productive and choice-driven future. Nick, I'm so excited to have you onto the show. I just like stared at that, the, those terms because I'm like, that's exactly what my audience needs, a productive and choice-driven future.
0: <laughs> love it. I'm how excited for this good? too. I'm good.
1: Good. Um, what I want to share with all the listeners before we dive into the first question is that you basically were my first boss ever after college back in 20, I think it is 2009.
0: 2009.
1: So we've been kind of doing this for a while. I mean, you've been doing your thing for a while and we've been both working for a long time. I cannot believe how quickly the years have passed.
0: Uh, time has flown. I've been very proud of watching your, your bold moves too. You've tried, you've dipped your hands in a few different things and I enjoy watching from the sidelines and seeing your success. So looking forward to our conversation.
1: Before we dive into exactly what you're doing, your entrepreneurial journey and all of that, um, I want to ask you about when you first um, heard about my podcast theme, right, bold moves, or I told you what it, it was all about. What came up for you? Did you have like a personal or business story that, you know, really came up for you when you heard the term bold moves? It's a
0: great headline for what my life has been. Uh, And I continue to make these bold moves, uh, which I think on the other side of a bold move is pissing someone off. Uh, But it's, I mean, it's more of being a disruptor (laughs) because what we're conditioned as humans is you get in line. Ah, uh, you wait your turn, ah, uh, you do the career, you move your way up, you follow the rules, and very rarely is a bold move celebrated in traditional life. Um, so no, I mean it's not it's not necessarily about one story or another. It's more so like I think those that take risks in life um have the best shot at having an outcome of what equals happiness.
1: I 100% agree. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but that was my hypothesis that and I, I wanted to start this podcast all about the, you know, from that hypothesis that I think making bold moves requires decisiveness and and courage and it and then when you're able to do that in your life, you're more fulfilled and satisfied. Um, so it sounds like you kind of agree with the, my hypothesis.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I do think a, a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, the first bold move is seemingly the hardest, but it ends up not being the hardest. It's the, it's the later knee-jerk reactions when you've, you've made a decision to jump into something and then comes a challenge. And that can mean, do I save my money? Do I spend my money? Um, how, how much risk, risk tolerance do I have? Yeah. And that bold move ends up being the difference between businesses that take off and that don't. So you almost have you have like bold move squared is that second outcome ends up being the second opportunity ends up being the definition of did this person really, really, really dive all in on what their original bold move was
1: we are going to talk a lot in this episode, particularly about entrepreneurial, your entrepreneurial journey, you have a lot of insight to share about business. I know a lot of listeners when they think about bold moves, they're thinking about it from a perspective of either starting a business or doing something that may not be necessarily their own business, but something entrepreneurial in nature. And I think you have so many cool insights to share uh, about your journey and, and things you've learned along the way. But before we get there, I want you to share your founding story. If you can, because it's really cool. And then I'll tell you what I remember about it after you tell it. Um, But yeah, your ambition just to found uh, my first place of employment, which at that time was called No Limit Media Consulting. (laughs) So tell us a little bit more about, you know, how you came to found your own business.
0: Right. So long, long, long is, I always wanted to own something. And so before before I even get into or fall into PR, which is where, where really the journey starts. Uh, I was a journalist and I started a music magazine in Chicago, it was called Lumino. Um, and I was like, I, I was really struggling to figure out a way how to make money with it. Now, given it was the music business, which already was an issue because there's no money in music. Um, but I was like, I gotta figure out a pathway. And so I had two opportunities. One was at a PR agency that worked with franchise brands and another one was CDW doing sales. I was like, either way that I go, I'm either gonna learn how to sell better or I'm gonna learn business better. Um, I was working at a newspaper and I took this job in franchise PR. And what's interesting is very quickly I saw the franchisee story as a rock star story. I loved when I, when I was writing about rock stars, I loved talking about their childhood and what was this foundation behind them that created this fuel to create just an amazing form of art. And the reality was with franchisees, they had to go through something crazy too, because they were going to invest their life savings into a business they had no control over. That's what franchising is. And so I took this job and I learned a lot. Um, and I fell in love with it. I loved the place that I was at. And so I went to the founder of that business. I said, I want to be a partner in your business. And in essence, he said, if you don't have my last name, you're never going to be a partner. And I said, that's fine, but let me give you two, or let me give you a business idea, which ended up being two business ideas. Uh, and the first one was this idea, this concept called chise. Everything was Fran something and franchising. Um, and now Chai's today is 1851. The foundation continued to to grow. Uh, he said that would never work, um, and I wasn't I wasn't deterred by that. I was actually motivated because I was like, okay, but I I bumped my knee. Let me get back up and give you another idea. And in 2007, um, I had toyed around with MySpace and Friendster uh, for a company called eGizmos. Uh They were out of uh, Michigan, and could I use social to drive customers? And could I use social to introduce the brand to franchise owners? Uh, And so I wrote a business plan. It was about 100 pages. Uh, I went and pitched it to my boss. Uh, He said, social media is a fad. Uh, I said, okay. Uh, That was November of 2007. Uh, And in March, March 3rd of 2008, I quit my job, broke up with a girlfriend and moved to Atlanta uh, to start this company. Um, and that was the foundation. I was like, I'll mix social media and PR, which media consulting, uh, was what that was, uh, and took a swing. And so that's a long, long to say, uh, rejection ends up leading me to making that decision.
1: Yeah. That's what I'm kind of getting at it. Right. It's like so many people told, you no along the way in some shape or form, right? First, it was like, I want to partner with your business, you know, be a partner in this business. That was a No. Then it was, you know, the first idea, the business idea, that was a no, then it was about social media, that was a no, and still yet you didn't let that deter you, which I don't know, you know, in looking back at my career and, and just kind of understanding, you know, other people's careers as well, no can be a real life-changing word for people. So it's kind of interesting how you uh, just were super resilient in those moments of no.
0: Well, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, my, the foundation of this book and not that I need to promote the dust, the dust collector is what I call it. Cause there's plenty sitting on bookshelves, not, not being read. Um, but the foundation was, uh, first or kindergarten, I walk up to school with my mom, uh, and life was perfect up into that moment. I knew, I knew nothing more than glorious. Everything was great. I loved everything. And she dropped me off on that first day of school. This kid called me fat. And so that was really the first like no or rejection that I received. And I cried. I didn't understand what it meant. Um, And in that moment, it sucked. But later on in life, I can still go back to that moment. Think about it and use it as fuel to get me through anything. I'm like, I know how I felt in that moment. It's nowhere near as bad as I feel in this moment. Therefore, I can bust through. And so... The whole concept is that no, or the rejection or the bullying, everybody has it. I keynoted a conference in Vegas, uh, two nights ago and I tell these stories, uh, and people are like, why are you willing to be so vulnerable about this stuff? I go, because I think if it can help someone else find their tough moments and say, yeah, that sucked. It could be a shitty parent it could be a bad situation of being bullied it could be being fired from a job it doesn't matter what it is but when people reflect back on that and stop looking at it as half empty and start looking at it as half full they can do amazing things so i like to go back to the nose uh and encourage people to look at them just in a different light and try to use it to motivate what they could be it could be running a marathon like go back and pull those nose And use that as that last fuel to get you over that last mile that you're trying to get through in this in this race whatever race you're trying to accomplish in life
1: every time somebody has told me no uh maybe i didn't do anything with it you know in that moment but i kind of stalked it away thinking that no to me means that what that's that path or what I'm doing now is not in alignment with where I want to go. So unless, uh, something happens where, you know, there's more buy-in or whatever, likely there's going to be a directional change in my life because that's where, you know, my heart is guiding me, I think. So totally get that for anybody that's getting started in their own business or thinking about starting their own business, what can they expect from kind of day one?
0: let me let me go back and i can give myself advice in those scenarios and one is founders there's it's real it's founder syndrome and the reality is you want everybody to believe in your dream but when they don't have equity into your business you're asking them to do something that's much greater than i think a founder understands And so if I go back to the, any of the scenarios, I had giant dreams, I still do, but I treated them differently. Like I wanted people to hustle. And I, I, in the original business plan, I wrote down, we're gonna make this like a google s culture, which there were aspects that were there. I think we did a really good job at hiring good people that have in many cases built lifelong relationships. But the work it was complex because the work sometimes didn't align with the vision. And so when you're working with franchise brands, I mean, my account team, which you were on my account team, like we had to get beat up by clients every day. And so you get beat up every day, but you're confused because you love your coworkers, And so then you have a founder who's crazy already, who has this big vision. So big vision, love your coworkers; Those things are aligned. Culture is good, but the clients are really tough. And I think that creates a really hard environment because, I mean, this this is an extreme statement, but it's it's an abusive relationship because on one side, things are very happy. On the other side, it's it's really tough. And then again, like from my vision, I'm like, get on the phone, let's pitch the media, let's go get great press. And the intention was good. It was like, let's go get great press for our clients because we can make them happy and they're nicer on the calls and my staff is going to be happier. Like the intentions were all there, but I don't think the... Mm-hmm empathy or awareness was there um and so my advice is um life is going to go very fast um you're going to meet a lot of great people um if you can pause and try to put yourself in their shoes understanding that they don't have the control that you have as a founder um, it might give you the tools to relate more to your team uh, and be a little bit more compassionate or have more empathy on working with them
1: yeah, thanks. That's and I appreciate you sharing kind of your 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 perspective on that. Looking back at it, it's so helpful. Um, and now it can serve as some great advice for other people kind of trying to go through the same too. So I think you know you did something really smart in the beginning. I, well, first of all, you're just smart in general with every business, all the businesses moves you make. But this, you know, you position the business, you know, PR any client can benefit from PR, right? Like any type of company can benefit from having their name in the press. But you chose a niche, and that was franchising. You've talked a little bit about it already. I don't know, I think probably the vast majority of your business today is still franchising, right? And so my question would be, why and how is it, so important to lean into a niche for business growth how did that help you gain traction and would you continue to advise other people that the niche is where the riches are
0: i like that that should be a t-shirt um all right so i'll, I'll give two sides to it. one is uh, you go back to early McDonald's, it's burgers, fries, and shakes. That's it. They're going to rock at burgers, fries, and shakes. They're going to make it a great experience. It's going to be consistent. And you can watch the movie, The Founder, and it tells a great, great example of it. And if you go back to businesses and the foundational elements, it's so simplistic and they're hyper focused on one thing. And they get distracted and you had McCafe and McFlurries and the fish filet. And so things get distracted. You don't love that McFlurry? I do love it. I'm not saying I don't love it. It just overcomplicates it. And so now operations, now you have to teach someone how to use the ice cream machine and, and it's always broken. Um, and so it makes it complex, but it's because we're trained as humans. If we're not growing, we're dying And so a brand feels like they have to constantly build upon what has been done. I, on the other side, like, as I look at our own business franchising is great, but the widget that a franchise is of investing your life savings into a business you have no control over is what I would call the hardest thing in the world to sell in a career in business. It's a very complex thing to sell. And so, when we've nailed what is PR and how do you leverage it, it is, in my opinion, better than any other agency can do for a regular brand, because the complexities of franchising is so tough. And so there's a there's a ceiling that our business will have within franchising potentially if we don't innovate. So I I say this to brands. I had a client at the beginning of this year. They're like, we got to get to X number of units sold because we need to do that to position our business for sale. I said, yeah, okay. You can go up, you can climb, or you could figure out how do we grow fatter. And if you grow fatter mm-hmm. then the walls will keep pushing up at the end when you've, when you've strengthened the foundation. So you take a franchise brand, you can, you could certainly go sell more franchises or you could support your existing franchisees to make them more wealthy. And then they're going to grow because they're going to add more units. And so the same is true for our business. I've tried selling to grow higher or taller. Uh, and every time I go back and grow fatter, we actually grow taller too. Um, and so my advice is know what you're good at. And if you're not the smartest person in the room on the next topic or the, the expansion that you want to do, then you that's where partners allow scalability. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a law firm, they do great because they have partners in different verticals. But they're partners, people that own something, that eat what they kill, that are invested into the business. But if you're gonna scale, get the subject matter experts in that to help you build up the build up the walls. That's the only way you're gonna be able to do it.
1: I was gonna ask you, do you have to be the smartest person on that given topic to go, you know, to be successful in your your line of business? But it sounds like you answered that question about bringing in different partners to help you expand your knowledge base.
0: Yeah, I would say that's that's probably my biggest weakness in business. I'm not great at any one thing. I'm average at a lot of things. And so what that does is that makes me have a point of view on probably too many things, whether that's a graphic designer <laughs> or a writer or uh, a media pitcher or a salesperson, like I've done all the jobs and I've done them well or average. And so that that's a that's a threat that if I had to do it all over again I would have probably limited my brain capacity into other categories and hired the subject matter expert in it. Um, but no, I'm not the smartest person in the room on any one topic. I'm just really average at a lot of things that makes me see the pictures. They're, I'd see it in different colors.
1: I think one of the, th- one of the things, maybe the, the most poignant thing that sticks out to me, at least over my career that I learned from you, is the importance of adding value to every conversation I'm in. So I think you do this really well, Nick, where you're in client meetings and, well, I haven't been in a client meeting with you in a while, however, I would assume that when you're in client meetings, you're always pitching new ideas. Have you thought about X? You know, um, I think that's a great strategy, but here's another angle on it, right? And so maybe it's not about, like this conversation about being the smartest, it's not really about the smartest, but it's constantly adding value to those people that you're working with so that they continue to tap you on the shoulder for more ideas and more work and more whatever. What do you think about that? Is it kind of about value add?
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's anybody. I mean, think about dating. On that first date, if your then boyfriend doesn't, or that then non boyfriend doesn't give you value in the discussion, you don't go on a date with him. And then in that first date, you don't get to date two if he doesn't give you value. And so I think it's, it could be dating, it could be parenting, it could be shopping. It doesn't matter what it is you got to constantly provide something of value back to that moment to make it count or else we quit. Like we, we will quit on things. So I do think okay. that's it. That's important. And I, I think, you know, when, when everything is about money, uh, some of the intangibles or the real true give a shit gets lost. Um, and mm-hmm. so when you lead with give it away and the money will come, uh, in business, yeah. um, it it does work that way. Nice guys or nice girls do finish first.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's that uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? It's like jab, jab, punch? No, yeah, jab, jab, punch, I think, um, where it's the concept of uh, free free and then ask for the sell or something like that. But um, all right, so speaking of mainland, uh, well, yeah, No Limit, which is now mainland, right? It's gotten fatter. And I assume because it's gotten fatter, you've (laughs) turned over the name, reinvented it a little bit. So what what does it look like today? What does the business look like today? What are you doing for clients?
0: So NLA, No Limit Agency, which was the next level of No Limit Media Consulting because we added more services. Uh, Part of the reason for Mainland is in the middle of the spelling of Mainland is the NLA. So it it allowed it to continue. Uh, Secondly, when I was looking at the logo or creating the logo concept, I'm staring at the wall and our team had thrown some things back at me. I'm looking at the wall. I'm looking at the No Limit logo, which was a light bulb. And I go, we're making mainland a hot air balloon because it was the same shape. Also, I got No Limit's tat- uh, the logo tattooed on my arm. And I was like, if I have to change that logo, it's going to be a lot easier if it's the same shape. I've not changed it to No Limit. It's still no Limit. <laughs> Um, But mainland (laughs) mainland ended up being a holding company over what our conveyor belt is, which is what is the YUI now? That's the consulting piece. A lot of brands can't answer that. It's such a simple Mm -hmm. statement, but what is it? Uh, Owned assets, which is our publication. Like let's go build the owned asset to support what the YUI now is. Now let's go do PR. When we do PR, it's done with purpose because we have a YUI now and owned asset. And now we're telling the story with purpose. This is where most agencies fail. Uh, they're like, hey, we got you the Wall Street Journal and brands like that's awesome. And that's the end of it because there's a finite number of people who read it, the Wall Street Journal or read that article. And so we said, let's put paid against that story to elevate the audience and increase the audience. So let's find the right people in the right markets, the right persona. So we added paid into there. And then lastly, we look at data analytics to understand what works and what doesn't that conveyor belt would be very complex under a pr firm because there's too many elements and so we said we're going to make the holding company the holding company is going to own the the pieces or the the way that the conveyor belt works and we're going to go put that to work and that that happened right before covid was really the the turnover into mainland and now we've we've built a pretty solid foundation
1: that's so cool how you know you start in one place and you, you know, you continue progressing and then uh, you recognize more needs within your client base that they could use support in these different areas. And you're like, okay, that's, that's definitely and totally within our wheelhouse. You, you kind of, but you do innovate. You have to figure out how to make it work within your operation. And then you keep moving the business forward to continue meeting market need. It sounds like, um, So this next question is about bold moves inside mainland. Um, And I think you actually when I was talking to you about bold moves initially, you um, you gave me this insight where you're like, bold moves don't just have to be made by individuals. They can also be made by businesses right and um, so I have a really fun example to prove out this point about a bold move that. well, we did at No Limit back in the day, which was um, I, it, the the client was Huddle House, and um, we were pitching media, and we wanted, you know, we obviously wanted these this big morning show to promote the brand, and you came up with this idea that then was replicated time and time again, right, with Fox and Friends about setting up a Huddle House, a literal diner on this the plaza of um of of fox and friends in new york city of course the pitch worked they loved it they're like shoot you're going to bring all of the you know the full diner to our plaza and all we have to do is broadcast from outside We're in? where can we sign um anyway so that's a fun like little example of a bold move that i remember doing within the business way back in the day but you know, how do you generate bold moves at Mainland, and like, how do you go to your clients and even get them to buy into these huge, ginormous ideas? Uh,
0: so two things. One, uh, I was texting with AJ the, this morning. That's the producer because uh, we have another. We're bu- we're building out a cafe there uh, in June, so we're it's still going on. Uh, Fifteen years later, um, I think it's a little bit tougher today than it was then. Now, part of that is access to information. And so if we go all the way back to the first Huddle House Diner on Fox and Friends, uh, Google ads aren't a thing. Facebook ads aren't a thing. Facebook is barely a thing. And so you needed those big, giant moments to build awareness for a brand. It's a little bit different now because digital has stepped in Uh, The buzz term now, even though it's been around for for a long time, is AI. Um, And so sometimes those ideas, they're they're still there. But I think it requires uh, uh, some sort of perspective on what the return on investment is. Versus then it was like, go get awesome moments. Now it's like, yeah, we like it. But how much will it cost? And how much can we make off of this? Um, And so the expectations have shifted um, over time. But whether like sometimes there's value in an idea even if it's never executed. Like, I, I remember there was a checkers and rallies which you worked on, uh, for a while. There was a guy that worked in our company, um, in Chicago, uh, and he was like, "I got a great idea for checkers." He's like, "We're gonna get Chubby Checker to do a commercial for them," and so he's like, "They're gonna do the he's gonna do the twist. It's gonna be great." I was like, "You're crazy." Uh, I go, "I guess you could pitch it." By the end of him coming up with this idea, like while we're sitting in our office in Chicago, someone's like, uh, Chubby Checker's on the phone for you. And so Chubby wanted to talk to us about how great the idea was. I never went anywhere. But the point was like, that's a memorable experience that happened. So, uh, just sometimes presenting back an idea, even if it doesn't hit is good enough. And I, I would encourage everybody to think like that. That that goes back to your boss too. I, I, I had a client ask me for some advice on how to talk to his boss today about something that he's thinking about. I go, just him, just you saying this, just you presenting your idea will get you credit. Whether it goes anywhere or not, sometimes it just shows that you care and care care is the bold move. Care is, care is the biggest thing that you can possibly have.
1: Absolutely. All right, so we talked a little bit about advice for early stage entrepreneurs, those entrepreneurs who might just be you know, got, have an idea, want to get it off the ground and have started and now are trying to find that market traction. But we really haven't talked about um, advice for entrepreneurs that are five years in. Right. And I think, as you said at the outset, sometimes uh, the bold moves um, when you're mid business are the hardest moves. Um, they're more risky potentially. You've got more riding on it. So, what is your advice for people who are five years into their business, looking at taking that next bold move? How do they get from where they are today to yeah. that the vision that they have and actually continuing to go after so it? So,
0: two two comments. Comment one would be uh, you're going to exit your business, whether it's by your choice or life exits you. One or the other is going to happen, no matter what, and my advice is at one year, at three year, at five, it doesn't matter where you're at, envision what that exit is and align what your decisions are to that exit. So you wanna, you wanna sell your business for $10 million and you probably need to get to somewhere in the range of 3 million EBITDA to do so. Well, at least you have a North Star to point towards that. So when you're making that higher, could that higher help you get there? No, well then at least you can point to that North Star. So what advice piece one is think about the think about the exit and work backwards from that, that will help you make your decisions. The other thing that I would say is um, if you and I right now, we got in a time, time machine, a forward time machine, and we flashed you and I forward 25 years and we're now stuck there. We can't get back. The reality is we would give anything to get back to today. And so oftentimes we overlook the value of what's happening right this second because we're thinking we're rushing things too much and we might get angry at things in the moment or uh, battle some sort of anxiety or depression over us not making the money that we expect to make today. And so you think about that 25 years from now, you and I are going to give, would be willing to give anything. We'd probably cut off our leg to go back to this moment right now. And so, If you don't stop and pinch yourself, you will have regrets. If you talk to someone in their 80s and say, tell me about your achievements, they would rather tell you about what they didn't achieve. And and so we have the blueprint Mm -hmm. for this as humans. We know that life is going to go fast, that life is short. And if you really want to live with no regrets as an entrepreneur, embrace that. That will help Mm -hmm. you take some risks now to help you get to the so that 20 years from now, you're like, I left it all out on the table because the last thing you want to do is have regret that you, d- you didn't do your best to achieve whatever that vision was.
1: I think that advice stands for business, you know, going into business or just life in general. You know, if you, I, I just think if you have a dream to run a marathon, right. Or you have, you want to climb Mount Everest, I don't know, whatever the dream is, if you, you, can can say today that you think you would regret it if you don't do it then why wait just do it put that plan into place and get started
0: that's it you're right
1: all right i've got one more question for you and um it's my last question i ask all my guests um what are some things that you know today about being bold that you wish you would have known earlier on
0: um I mean, it probably still goes back to my last comment. There are many moments that I played not to lose versus played to win. And if I have to find the chink in the armor, it's it's when I'm playing not to lose, I'm no longer on offense. I'm on defense and defense is the worst thing for a business. Uh, I was talking to a client before I jumped on with you. Um, and they're talking about a franchisee who's, who's struggling and they're like, they won't spend on marketing because they're bleeding cash. And I said, they're never going to spend on marketing. I go, they're praying for something that's never going to happen. They're never going to turn around this business because once the purse strings stop and you stop marketing and you start cowering, you go into the corner, there's nothing you can do. Your business is done. And that's playing not to lose versus saying, all right, maybe I need to take another mortgage out on my – a second mortgage on my home to get money so I can market my business because I believe in it. Like sometimes those big risks, those offensive risks, uh, create great moments of wealth. Uh, I saw a session uh, with Magic Johnson. He was talking about how he he had some money from his playing career, but he spent all this time trying to convince private equity to give him some money to go work on his investments. And he finally got one to say yes. He had been rejected three times by this this PE firm. They gave him $50 million. He goes, I'll show you that I can make this money work. And so now he's on offense and he buys a mall property in an underprivileged market. Uh, And he said like he bought it for like 20 some million dollars and he sold it for 50 some million dollars. And they're like, he's like, see, I told you I can do this. But that's because he was on offense. He he knew what he wanted as an outcome, and he was willing to put everything on a line to get to it because he was confident that he would win. Sometimes that's the most critical thing. So for that's probably my biggest advice on life and in business. And I think about it often and it doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I need to play to win, not play not to lose. Mm-hmm.
1: It's really good advice, Nick, you're making me think that I need to do an episode on risk aversion. (laughs) Because you know that for I think that's what kind of holds a lot of people back too. is it's really scary to like you said, take out that second mortgage that's putting a lot at stake even if you believe in your vision for a lot of people, you know, everybody's risk appetite is so different. So I want to explore that topic deeper, though, because it's really interesting. Anyways, um, this has really been fun. I so appreciate you joining me. Like I said at the outset, you're probably one of the smartest business people I know. So I couldn't be more excited to have you on to kind of share with the listeners your thoughts and how to become a bold entrepreneur. So thank you again for joining me. If there are people listening that need PR and marketing support um, and want to look you up, Nick, where can they go to do that?
0: I'm the only Nick Powell's in the world, so if you Google it, you'll probably yes. find me. Uh, so just just Google me; you'll 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 find your way. And Kristen, I would love to go back in this time machine. I could, I can send my brain back to you and me walking outside of Herberts and gerberts which was right next door and say here let's play let's play something that's going to happen 15 years in the future like get out of here this won't happen
1: i know it's crazy but like you said i'm really glad that we've been able to stay in touch and continue our relationship even outside of a formal working relationship it's been awesome also watching you grow so um all right everybody i really appreciate your time today if you haven't hit subscribe please do it today also leave us a review and rate us all right talk to you again soon bye have you visited the bold moves resources page yet that i've put together especially for you to help you discover your own path and listen to what it is that you want to do. There you're going to find resources like book a book list um, that's going to help you embrace a bold moves mindset and some of the really cool quotes from past podcast guests that are going to just help you on what it means to take bold moves in your life. Um, there's also a survey that I want you to take. I want you to finally put it down in writing. What is your bold move that you're looking to achieve next? I think accountability is such a huge part of taking a bold move. And so write to me and let me know what it is that your next bold move is. Go to kristinrocco.com bold moves resources I'm also linking the URL right there in the show notes. Uh, So go into the show notes, click that link, and you'll be taken there right now. See you there.